Hello and welcome to Talking Triple Crown, part of the KitKat 299 Network. I'm Jessie, whose pronouns are she, her. I'm Alicia, my pronouns are she, her. And I'm Captain Lou, whose pronouns are he and him. Unfortunately, Rachel cannot join us today, so Lou will be filling in for them. Well, the first tour of 2023 is over and we have a lot to discuss. Title changes, amazing matches, not so amazing matches and everything in between. So let's not waste any more time and get into it. Day one was on the second at Corican Hall. Before the show started, the roster came to the ring alongside their AJPW president. The roster had some really nice um, track suits. I really like the color they chose. Unfortunately, we did not get any new announcements or signees, but a couple of things to note. Even though he's injured, Ashino was in the ring with the rest of the roster. Suama and the Satos came out and stood at the entrance ramp and apparently left when Kendo started to talk. And I'll be honest, it does look like a small roster, but it also is a very young roster, which is promising. Yeah, that was the thing that struck me here is that for a long, long time, All Japan seemed to be like the the old man promotion, the Fuchi promotion, the Omori promotion. And yeah, looking at the the intro here, it it really struck me how young and refreshed the current roster is. Opening match, we had Riki Honda, Yusuke Kadama, and Maso Hanabata defeat Ryu Inoue, Dan Tamura, and Yuma Anzai in 7 minutes and 20 seconds. I thought this was a very first fun match of the year. The triple dropkick spot was nice as well uh, was a suplex from Honda to Inoue. I hope that behind the scenes, Ashino has been teaching Honda his suplex secrets. That would be really cool. Uh, not too many other notes, but this was Inoue's one-year anniversary and Dan's four-year anniversary. I keep forgetting how how uh, inexperienced Inoue is because you you could never tell from watching these matches. He's so natural and he's improving at such a rapid pace that yeah, it just doesn't make sense to me. And he, he looked great here. I keep really enjoying anytime he's teaming with Yuma Anzai. Kind of hoping to get an All Asia title shot at some point. They're really cool together. Yeah, I'm going to second that in a big way, especially as we continue, honestly, throughout the cards for the rest of this month. Um, But Lou in the beginning was, you know, correct in that this feels like a young and refreshed roster. And I mean, you look at some of the guys in this match and it's just like the perfect New Year opener in a lot of ways. And you had a little preview of some key members of the roster and essentially what we are able to look forward to, I think, in 2023, which is great. And um, to second, you know, Lou again, I mean, Anzai and Inoue, um, they just threatened to steal the show and just about anything that they wind up uh, being in um, during this month. And it's it's no different here. So they're definitely uh, the two to watch if you take a look at this match. The Kaomori. Kaz Hayashi and Rising Hayato defeated Black Menso Rei, Yoshitatsu, and Mitsuya Nagai in nine minutes and five seconds. Okay, before I get to the crazy part of this match, I will say that um, Menso Rei and Kaz had a really nice little ending sequence between the two. And I do think Nagai is a good hand to have to fill out tag matches, especially now that Izanagi's gone. And he works really well with the Ayagis as well. So I wouldn't mind having Nagai come in here and there. But... Um, 
Hendo Cashin was in last year's tracksuit and an ATM mask, and he was at ringside and he attacked Omari after the match. Nasawa, who was in like a weasel mole costume, I thought it was a reindeer, but someone was like, no, it's like a weasel costume with sunglasses joined in. They um, ended up on the balcony where Omari tried to throw Kendo over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was quite an angle that, they, <laughs> that we got there. Um, I guess we'll talk about this more later for, for the actual match. I'm going to second what Jesse said. I, I really enjoy whenever Mitsuya Nagai shows up. He has his roots in like early 2000 All Japan. And I used to watch him in like battle arts and rings. And he's always a cool wrestler to see show up on the undercard. My, I guess my only other highlight here was Yoshitatsu doing some kind of Lucha Libre with Rising Hayato. Just once again, proving to be a master of all kinds of wrestling styles and cultures. This is why we brought Lou back on, you know, to do some Yoshitatsu truther work here on Talking Triple Crown. But no, I, I I agree. I think Nagai is a very good hand to have. I liked having him in this match. I thought that work was really good. Um, I also want to point out we had a man on the scene um, for these shows. Dr. Jonathan was um, at these shows. So it really was sort of incredible to have his picture of them trying to throw um, Takawamori off the balcony while also watching this like in my living room. So I love that experience. It was cool to have these uh, these dual experiences happening. So yeah, not a ton to, to say other than uh, having the guy uh, there was super cool. And then I did think that when the actual match was taking place and there wasn't like anything crazy happening, uh, Hayato takes center stage. And um, you know, he is always, I think, someone to watch as well. Again, like another person who is like a younger member of this roster who anytime um, he's in a match, he winds up stealing the show. For the next match, we had Minoru Suzuki and Naruki Doi defeat Sushi Ishikawa and Hokuto Omori in 11 minutes and 19 seconds. I really enjoyed Omori in this match. He was wrestling like he had something to prove after his previous loss to Suzuki at Champions Night 4. And even when he was down on his knees, he was still throwing elbows, like desperate to get the win. And it really made for great wrestling. And I really like Doi in All Japan. I remember when he went freelance, I was like, oh, please let him end up in All Japan for like a couple matches. But now, um, it looks like he's here to stay a little bit more. I also believe this is his debut match for the company. And after the match, Omari bows to Suzuki, who then pulls him back to his feet, shakes hands, and they all leave together. Really good match and really cool post-match angle. I I, I just love what they're doing with, with Okuto right now. And um, all of this seems like a really cool opportunity to get him to another level of the card. Like they're, tr- they're basically transitioning him to the heavyweights now, which a lot of people have been wanting for a long time. And this whole thing was just a really cool way to kick things off. And I really enjoy what they're doing with Suzuki and Doi right now. They're like, they're basically working as a heel unit, but they're not doing any of the, like, I don't know, like outside uh, interference spots or like the more annoying bullet club style shenanigans. They're just like straight wrestling, but with a bit of an edge. I think it's a really cool way to get Hokuto to, uh, to, to keep improving. Yeah. So many, so many great sentiments there. And I'm going to say up front, like I'm not a Dragon Gate guy. So like, I don't really know Doi that well, but after this match, I was immediately a lot more interested in like getting to know him and getting to know his wrestling. Um, really enjoyed this in a, in a big way. This post-match angle was so exciting because 
And I don't re even remember, Lou, like, and as long as I've been reading your reviews, I don't know where you kind of fell in wanting to see Hakuto go babyface or not from where he's sort of been for a while. But I know that's something on this show that we kind of talked about him wanting to do. But in kind of reflecting back even on our uh, Totally Clips episode, I'm wondering if that wanting to see him go babyface for a bit was less about that and then just wanting him to have direction because Totally Clips started to kind of lose direction after a certain point, right? So when this angle happened, I was immediately excited because who better to really get Hakuto on track and to kind of push him into the next level than Minoru Suzuki. It's kind of a perfect fit for him. So this is just um, super exciting. And I mean, to your point as well about the type of faction this is going to wind up being, they are an outsider faction, right? But it's interesting in that all Japan right now has two outsider factions because even though Voodoo Murders is a All Japan faction and that it started within, well, actually, did Voodoo Murders start in All Japan? Uh, off I don't the top of my head, I think it did. I think it did. Yeah. I don't, don't quote me on it, but that's my feeling. <laughs> yeah, that's my feeling as well. I'm pretty sure that we're correct, but well, I guess maybe we'll look it up later, but I'm fairly certain that this is a concept that began in All Japan and yet they are still very much an outsider faction because they're ethos is to really kind of destroy the company right just like take over the company so inherently they are they they've positioned themselves as outsiders to the ethos that is uh what makes all japan but you have two factions like that now within all japan which is really really interesting and yet uh and we're going to talk about this more as we get into some of the later matches in the month what this group is going to wind up doing is so different to the type of kind of heel tactics that we see voodoo murders do that drives everybody fucking bananas. This is going to be very different and very cool. And I think Doi is a really a huge part in this. And this is what I want Hakuto to be paying attention to. This is very important. So yeah, all of this is just um, super exciting. And again, this gives Hakuto so much more, I think, to do as nice as it was to see him sort of like get along and learn how to be friends with like um, Atsuki and Yuma and do that sort of work, especially with Jake transitioning away from All Japan. I think that it's better coming off of the J-Bog, if you will, that he has something like this to kind of bite into. Um, I think in the long run, this will really benefit him. Next up, we got some announcements. Ashina will be back on the 22nd, and four week shows are set for 2023. The 21st of March and the 17th of June, Otto War Gymnasium, which is most likely the Champions Night shows. And the other two big shows will be held at Yoyogi National Stadium on September the 8th and the 31st of December. Yumo Yagi and Nayi Nomura defeated Jun Saito and Rei Saito in 11 minutes and 48 seconds. This was a number one contenders match for the tag titles. And I just want to say thank goodness that Nomura and Yumo won. I feel bad about saying this, but I have kept this inside for too long. This is like my deep, dark secret is that I have a problem with the Satos and please don't hate me for this. Um, don't cancel me for this. But sometimes I struggle to see the positives in them. And that's not to say there isn't any positives in them. They are. I think they've had some good matches and they are improving, but they still look stiff. They still look a bit lost in the ring. I get that you have to somewhat rush them because of their age. They are mid-30s, but I don't really know if it's working out that good. The other rookies in All Japan that are hired from the same trias that the Satoru's were on was Inoue and Sukumoto. Sukumoto is unfortunately gone. He left, but Inoue is still there. And there's such a big difference between Inoue and the Satoru's. Even though the Satoru's debuted first and had their excursion, that's my mini rant. 
um, like I said, please don't hate me for this. Please don't cancel me for this. But um, if you see positives in the Satos, please DM me on Twitter and please try to change my mind. But um, that's just how I feel. Fair, fair points, Jesse. All fair points. I guess where I stand on the Saito controversy, um, I guess you could say the whole adding them to voodoo murders might have been quick for them, considering their experience level. Because if you go back and you watch the return match that they had with um, Ashino and Honda, uh, I remember really enjoying that match. That was like the best version of the Saito brothers for me. And then right after that, they went the voodoo murders uh, way. And yeah, I don't think they were ever as good as that match afterwards. Mm -hmm. So it might be like a case of slight miscasting for them. I still enjoy them when they work like a straightforward style, when they go into overly heelish performances or attempts at it. It's not quite as good for me. Um, and for, for this match, I think it sort of fell in the middle. Like it, I, I thought it was all right. And the last few minutes were actually really quite fun, but you're right. The, the right team, uh, won here. It's, uh, that was never in any question. You're both completely right. I don't think anything that you said, Jesse is worth like, you know, blocking the Royal road account and, you know, slandering your name. Actually, I think that our friend Kampa has some really good thoughts on the Saito brother. So he's someone that we can check in with, but I think you're both right. I think that I was someone who said like, I actually think maybe voodoo murders is the choice for them because the brawling style of voodoo murders might hide some of the things about their, you know, current uh, level of wrestlers. Like I thought that that style would hide those issues. We're finding that it doesn't really, but it's also because they're kind of forced to um, do the, these really junky segments all of the time that distract from actual wrestling. So if nothing is helping them right now, and it's, it's not even their fault, they, they're, they're hamstrung by a bad gimmick. And that is the problem with the Saito brothers right now. I don't actually think they're learning anything. And that's the problem. They might be mid thirties, but they need to be learning right now. They still need to be learning and they're not learning. Blue is correct. The, the best match that they had was with Ashino and Honda. And it's a shame that we haven't been able to see them continue to learn from folks like that because they're hamstrung by a bad gimmick. But your points are correct. I do think, though, that this match was actually fairly solid as far as a Saito Brothers match goes. But you have to think about who they're fighting, right? They had a great match against probably our best tag team that we have going, right? But then this would be another fantastic tag team for them to be, to go up against just really glad to say that like I think they worked really well off of Yuma um, in particular and then of course uh, Naya Nomura um, this closing stretch I think wound up working particularly well um, with Yuma stealing that finish I thought that that was really fun and super clever it's it speaks to Yuma I think too and I and like there were some instances in this match where like I kind of held my breath because like I was I was nervous that the Saitos were going to end up doing their version of stealing the win um, so this to me was very effective and I think again um, was another like an example of when they are working against the right people they can be brought to um, a fairly solid match but again they're just hamstrung by a bad gimmick the junior title match was next and Asuka Yagi defeated Hikaru Sato in 15 minutes and 10 seconds I just thought Sato was just so great in this match he dominated a lot of it he turned Askew's fiber splash into an armbar after getting their knees up. And from then on, I was on the edge of my seat. 
I was so sure that Asuka was tapping at like 20 different times during this match. This was just so good. They worked so well together. Sato wrapping the belt around Asuki's waist was a nice and could be seen as passing the torch moment that Asuki never really got when the old ace of um, the junior division, Koji, left. And I'm kind of still a bit salty about that. And Kasayashi was at Nexa Challenge. And I think that was pretty obvious since he's been booked on a lot of All Japan shows lately. Yeah, for me, it was, as Jesse mentioned, it was, this was all about the moment, the passing of the torch moment of like Atsuki finally getting over the former junior ace. Um, I like the match. I think they have a better one in them. And the thing with, I think their styles are so different that it's not easy to have like a, a perfect match with like a shoot style guy like Sato and like a flippy high flyer like Atsuki. They, I think they're getting there. They're going to have like a classic one day. We haven't seen it yet. We'll get it one day. Uh, this was really good for now. Um, but I'm sure we'll get better eventually. Yeah, this match was was good. This is actually of Otsuki's defenses in this tour was, I think, my favorite. But we'll get to the other one too for me to talk more about that. The most important thing about this match was the story in and of itself because we are watching All Japan build an ace in live time, right? So you have to have these very symbolic, important wins for Otsuki. And, and we talked extensively about Sato and what that means for Otsuki and getting back in front of him. And I have felt that their February 2022 singles match really kickstarted this division in a big way. Like we kind of got off into the races from that point as a division, not even just them, like, but as a division. So yeah, I think that it's it was so important to see Otsuki overcome him and have that moment of, of Sato belting him. It's, that's always great to see. And that was really the the build. It's good to see, you know, that they they also took that seriously and they built to that and we got there. It's always nice when you can see a plan come to fruition, right? So that's that's fantastic. And I and I think I agree with a lot of just lose sentiments around some of the, you know, I almost like I don't want to be too critical of Otsuki because he's so young, but I think it's important to keep in mind how young he is because we're building an ace, but this is where, you know, the second time he gets the spell and the third time he gets the spell, he's going to be a different version of himself, right? You need to see the progression. And there's just things that he does that I think he can improve. And I think some of it, um, and I'm not going to be able to articulate this particularly well, I think, but there's certain things that he does. And I notice it of people who have his particular style. There's a lot of like sometimes waiting in between moves with him sometimes, like where you can tell he's waiting for the next thing to happen, but he can make that much more fluid and he's just really young and he's still working on those things. Um, he's not someone who's very good at emoting. And I think that this becomes an issue later on in the month. He has these little gaps in his game and like you do, um, we will see them more, right? When in these, these bigger main events for him, but these are not things that he's unable to fix. It's just that we're seeing that um, he's still so young, even in this build to being the junior ace. But again, I don't think that these are things that um, are unfixable to him. I think that when we see him, after this rain and he comes back and he has a second rain um, with this belt, we will see a much more evolved version of Otsuki even then. He just has to learn, I think, through a lot of these matches as he goes, if that makes sense. So yeah, still still developing into the total package, but this match is very good and really speaks to Sato, who deserves a ton of credit for what he brings to matches like this and you know interactions with the younger wrestlers. 
In the World Tag Team Match, Kento Mihara and Takuya Nomura defeated Suama and Kono in 17 minutes and 27 seconds to become the new Tag Team Champions. And there was far too much Kono in this. I really like the little exchange Suama and Kento had at the start because it just reminds you just how well these two work together and how many ama- uh, amazing matches that these two had together. Of course, there was a ref bump because there has to be a ref bump, but it was just so weak and so funny. The audience reacted the appropriate way to that moment. Wada refusing to count the pin after he got back up to his feet was a good touch, especially since it was just so obvious that there had been interference because powder was everywhere. Uh, Takuya got the win by tapping out corner and we have new champions and Kento, in his own words, is now a five crown king. Yeah, that was a match, uh, again, that was all about the results, a very correct result, a lot of voodoo murdering here, um, but also a, a really cool spot that only got paid off uh, later in the month where Kento and Takuya, they teased the uh, Big Japan style stack German suplex. Uh, did not pull it off this time, but if you kept watching your All Japan throughout the month, uh, you've seen them actually do it on a later show, which was really cool. So kind of a nice bit of foreshadowing. And um, yeah, that's about it. I was live tweeting during the show because the cool thing about this part of the month is that I was off. So I was able to watch live, which doesn't happen that often. But I said right before this match that because uh, I'm still pissed, like I'm going to be pissed forever that they messed up tag league from before in 2022 so to me like the story was getting these belts off of Suwama and Kono getting them on to uh Mia Ken and Takia and the story is getting them in front of Nomu Yagi because that is honestly what we would all like to see and would have been I think at this point with having lost Jake um and all of that like it's just a bit of goodwill for everybody right it's I think it's just a good but a bit of a nod towards fans that like you know here's and have your match so that's what I was certainly hoping for um and I'm glad that we got it because again to me I think that uh Suwama and Kono just sort of devalued any you know meaning that would have been had from them holding onto those belts and getting in front of um Nomu Yagi there just wasn't anything there based off of how they performed so that's it and that's all so I'm very glad that we were able to get the belts off them here taru botching his only job i think really says everything that you could ever need to say about this match actually but yeah and and as always like these these little matches with kento and takia they're sort of like the two of them are a joy to watch because you get another layer of story between them that they're kind of building to the story of their partnership so yeah and it added just like a little bit more complexity right to their triple crown match that was going to happen the night after this so you have them now as champions and now they've got to go into the next night with their triple crown match against each other as these brand new tag champions and what does that say about where they are and what they mean to each other so i like that kind of drama so i thought that part of it was very compelling okay and now for the main event which was <laughs> a bit weird but it was a lot of fun Takuya Nomura defeated 22 other wrestlers to win the New Year's Giant Battle Royale in 12 minutes. So it was basically every other wrestler that wrestled on that show except for Suama, Kono, Suzuki, Doi, and Hokuto Amore. When I saw this was the main event, I was pretty confused since it's usually um, a mid-show comedy battle royale. But Kampo on Twitter said this is a return to the Muto era where this used to close the January 2nd show. And I just have some things to point out about this match. Um, <laughs> 68-year-old Fuchi is definitely the MVP of this match. He was just so much fun. The start was awkward with Suji trying to pull down Hanabata's gear for some reason and the camera focused far too long on that. It was pretty <laughs> awkward. 
Kento came to the ring with all his belts and sat in the corner for the majority of this match and had Inoue in front of him like a guard. Tatsu made the mistake of going after Fuchi. Everybody went after Tatsu after he put his hands on Fuchi. It was, it was crazy. Kendo Kashin crashed this match and pulled Takao out of the ring. They went up to the balcony and Amore looked a bit too happy trying to push Kendo off. Fuchi pinned Kento, so Triple Crown Fuchi win. We've been saying this since September. The final moments with Inoue and Takuya were just so good. It made me believe that Inoue would actually pull off the upset. And this was a weird way to end the show, but it was just some silly fun. Just uh, the kind of All Japan weirdness that's right up my alley. And the fact that they put it as main event was made it even better for me. The two highlights were any Kento and Fuchi interaction. Like there was a whole segment where Kento was sitting up top cheerleading Fuchi's uh, body slamming spots, which I thought was amazing. And uh, as Jesse mentioned, the closing minutes with uh, Inoue taking it to Takuya Nomura, just really cool stuff. Um, makes you think they really see something in Inoue. And uh, yeah, enjoyable. Hard to follow any of that, but like, yeah, it was just a baffling and yet totally charming way to end the show. I loved this roster taking, it was the roster that took it to Tatsu. And I thought that was incredible. What a, what a, amazing little moment fuchi was outstanding and then kento just finds a way to make himself the star of anything so naturally he found multiple ways to do this including having inoue go and be a part of the action but then he would grab him and pull him back into the corner and make him stand there and that was just actually really sweet he has like a cute little relationship with inoue which is really nice i thought takio winning was actually really strange like i thought it was cool that it came down to him and inoue but wouldn't it have been really cool if inoue had won maybe not against Takia because he was going up against Kento the night after but like I still don't understand why Takia won I thought that that was actually the weird choice that the guy not signed or having like any true like we have a lot of people who aren't signed to all Japan but like he's the guy who comes in the least I think of a lot of people there but he won and I still can't figure out why so yeah that part was really odd but it was still fun and I hope that they continue to do this because it was weird. And that's why they should always do it, actually, because it, All Japan's always better if it's a little weird. Yes. Yes. Day two was on the third at Korokan Hall. Dan Tamara and Akara Sato defeated Ryu Inoue and Rising Haito in eight minutes and seven seconds. Inoue was the star here. His exchanges with Sato were so great. Inoue probably still has the two-minute loss in his mind from last year, and he just wanted to dish out some pain back. The double team move of a PK from Inoue followed by a line saw from Haito looked really, really cool. But another great junior match, like all the rest. Yep, super fun match to start the show. I'm still really annoyed about that that Ikaru Sato, Ryo Inoue squash from the uh, Junior Battle of Glory. So having Inoue like go in all pissed off and try to get revenge was like the best way he could have approached this match for me. Rising Hayato, always really cool in these type of uh, matches, and this was no exception. Yeah, just another little great opener, and this is why you can't really afford to skip matches on cards like this. You'll miss cool matches and moments when you do things like that. It really does pay to sit through these cards, um, like Jesse and uh, Lou mentioned anyways taking it to Sato is exactly what I'm here for but because they did this I'm 
fairly confident there will be a payoff to this somewhere fun later on down the line. So um, something to keep an eye on to be sure. Mitsuyu Nagai and Black Menso Ray defeated Yusuke Kadama and Masato Hanabata in six minutes and eight seconds. I thought this was a lot more fun than it had any right to be. I thought all four men did such a good job in the ending with um, Nagai and Menso Ray putting on Goa sunglasses was just hilarious, especially Menso Ray in his mask and the sunglasses on top was just so funny. Yeah, um, Nagai and Hanabatake surprisingly cool pairing here really funny stuff between the two of them yeah Mitsuya Nagai just a, a cool guy to have on the undercard can do straight wrestling can do comedy wrestling just bring him back very much agreed Nayinomura defeated Ruki Honda in six minutes and 49 seconds why they only gave these two seven minutes when a certain tag match went 15 just boggles my mind this was so awesome these two wrestled like they were in like this brutal year-long feud. I need so much more of these two. And now that Nomura's back teaming with Yuma and Ashino teams with Honda, these two like need to have a match like ASAP. Yeah, they only got seven minutes, but uh, truthfully, I was afraid they would get even less when this was announced because Nomura is being on a like a Goldberg type run of having like these two to three minute matches just cradling people left and right. So I thought that was what they were going to go for here. And it wasn't. And they had a really cool back and forth, like power power wrestling style match. And um, what struck me here is how actually similar these two are in their move sets. Like they both do the spear. They both do the one-two elbows. So uh, yeah, really fun pairing fun dynamic and uh, i do hope they get uh, an even longer rematch i actually felt that this match was longer than it really was when i was watching it i thought it clocked in way longer than six minutes and 49 seconds i was surprised that i to see what the time actually wound up being when i was on cage match but um i really did enjoy this they built to an intense ending sequence that really had me on the edge of my seat anyone could have taken it during that ending sequence it was great I think they have much much better matches between them for the future obviously but this was a good start and just really encouraging to see in my mind everything we do from here on out is just building to Nomoyagi versus Honda and Ashino I think that's one of the matches that can potentially define all Japan's 2023 so that is what we're working towards from here on out for the next match, Ashushi Oneida came to the ring and demanded an electric current explosion match. Yoshi Tatsu came out saying there's no need for that type of match in all Japan. And as a response, Oneida misted him and delivered one of the worst DTTs I have ever seen. This is when the show started to get really, really good. Uh, <laughs> if you were watching the show along with the, the all Japan Twitter crowd, this is when things started to get crazy. Uh, Alicia made some comparisons to the movie The Room starting at this point, I think. <laughs> um, very accurate. And um, I don't know, this, this really made me laugh a lot. And I'm glad Yoshitatsu was involved because I love all of these crazy Yoshitatsu angles where he tries to become larger than life by, I don't know, inserting himself in the... Inoki's strong style legacy or now inserting himself in 
Onita deathmatch type storylines. Uh, we hadn't seen this type of craziness from him in a while. So I'm glad we are getting back into it. Suama, <laughs> Jun Saito, and Rei Saito defeated Yoshitatsu, who was Mr. Paul Tatsu, Yuji Nagata, and Yuma Anzai in 8 minutes and 14 seconds. Um, all I have to say is Rudy Murders are looking like they are on the verge of breaking up, which is great, but they've already done this angle before, and it ended up with more Voodoo Murders. Um, I hope this is the beginning of the end. I'm not holding my breath, and as we see um, later on during the month, it doesn't look like the end. Funny thing here is that they, they, they often do this with Voodoo Murder matches where they're going to start the match in the middle of the previous match or the middle of a previous angle. Uh, And they did that here in the middle of the really weird Onita Yoshitatsu angle, which was, I don't know, made, it, it made that whole middle section of the show um, even better for me. You have to view the next, like from the Onita Tatsu all the way through the All Asia. So these three things that happen back to back to back, you have to view them as a three act play. Yes. <laughs> the, okay. So that's what we're, that's what we're working with here. So when Tatsu was still in the ring and Voodoo Murders came out for, th I was stunned by what happened with Tatsu and Onita. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. And then Voodoo Murders come out and Suama looks like he's losing it. And I'm like, they're going to put Tatsu in Voodoo Murders. Like this is where my brain was going. I was like, I was confused. And for three seconds, I really, I was bamboozled. I really thought this was what was happening. And then that's not what happens. They just start the match. This match is not a match. It's not about that. Anzai was there and he did try, you know, Anzai wrestled, but no, this is just, this is, this is out of control. Suwama chokes out Tatsu, which is also stunning. And then you get, um, it's all about building to this tension all of a sudden between Suwama and the Saito brothers, right? Which is all capped off by <laughs> Taru throwing like the powder accidentally at Suwama when he meant to throw at the ref that Suwama was trying to bully because he was mad at the Saitos. And then Suwama takes like the most outstanding backbreak fall over the powder. And that is the standard at which everyone in this company should be selling the powder is the way Suwama sold it there. And then because he's pissed, he gets up and just starts beating the shit out of the Saito brothers, not Taru, who was the one that threw the powder at him. So that is, and then like, The reason why he beats the shit out of the Saito brothers, though, is that they're laughing at him, which I realized last night when I watched it back. I didn't hear them laughing at, at him when we watched it live. So that's what makes it better. But like, it's stunning and it doesn't make any sense. It's like, I, I really, I, I, I'm obsessed with it. I think it's the most incredible thing. Suwama is, is incredible. And it made me less mad at him for a real world tag league. So there you go. Okay. The All-Asia Tag Team Title Match, Nasawa and Kendo Kashin defeated Takao Omore and Masu Inoue in 15 minutes. So for this show, I actually fell asleep. I was just so tired. I woke up after this match was done and All Japan Twitter was going insane. It was just crazy. I had no idea what's going on. I knew it had something to do with this match, but um, it was just <laughs> really going off. And I don't want to go first. I want your live thoughts because I watched it after everybody's watching and I had everyone's thoughts. So I want what your thoughts were watching this live. Yeah. So as Alicia mentioned, this was essentially the conclusion of the three act play that was this show's undercard. And I guess what amused me the most here is that in Japan, 
in early January, there's a lot of buzz about Japanese wrestling. You have New Japan doing Wrestle Kingdom. You have the Noah <laughs> Budokan show. And just companies putting their best foot forward, having like these crazy <laughs> WrestleMania level shows and five-star matches. And there's a lot of people tuning in in new promotions for the first time, like sampling the product. And All Japan decided to do this show, this undercard, as part of this like big Wrestle Kingdom season. And to, to me, that's amazing. That's the fact that we got this undercard and this match, which again, a lot of the appeal was watching your reactions to it on All Japan Twitter. Um, just a mind fuck of a match where nothing really happened for the whole thing. Just guys just walking around or rolling around. Um, I don't know. It, it was it was fascinating on multiple levels. Um, I'm I'm just going through my review right now, and it's only like conspiracy theories about possibly being a CIA. PSYOP, I don't even remember writing this, but it actually fits, <laughs> fits perfectly. I think. Yeah, uh, I, yeah that's, I, don't, I don't know what to say. Go, go ahead, Alicia. <laughs> I was just like um, in shock. I can't like, um, I've never, like Lou said, nothing happened. And yet I've never been that locked on watching a match. It was, it really was, it was stunning. Like Lou said, I called this All Japan's version of The Room. It is so, I can't, I'm not going to tell you that it's good. It's so bad. It's so bad, but it loops around in a full circle into being absolutely perfect. And that might be like, people on All Japan Twitter will know what I mean when I say that. You know what I mean? But it was, it was just, I can't recommend the wrestling to you. But again, I think people who really love this promotion and have kind of sat in the trenches of what this promotion does to itself sometimes will appreciate what this was for what it was so again can't recommend this to you however you have to appreciate how brave this was for them to do this while the Budokan had just happened and that went off pretty well and then Wrestle Kingdom was happening like the next day or two days from then or whatever the fuck so yeah this is just stunning however I hope all Japan genuinely never ever ever changes they should always feel this way It should always feel this way. If we ever get away from this, it means that we've deviated too close. We've, we've flown too close to the sun. I think we should always feel this way. So there you go. That's the that's the best review I can give you of that three-act play that was the undercard of the show. I just want to say no other company is brave enough to book this match except for All Japan. And I give this match zero stars. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Moving on now, Hokuto Mori, Minoru Suzuki, and Naruki Doi defeated Sushi Ishikawa, Yuma Oyagi, and Asuki Oyagi in 8 minutes and 13 seconds. And for a team that was only formed the day before, Suzuki, Doi, and Amore just work so well together, and I love that the spotlight was on Amore. He pinned Asuki, which was a bit of a surprise since I thought Suzuki or Doi would get the pin, but then we realized backstage, Hokuto has now moved up to the heavyweight division. Suzuki has said all belt holders are their enemies and Doi has his eye on the junior title. As a first, I guess, official uh, introduction to Okuto as a heavyweight, I thought this worked really, really well. You had him actually suplexing Ishikawa at some point in this match. 
Uh, and then him getting the pin on Atsuki, the junior champion, was very meaningful. Um, yeah, this whole storyline is just working perfectly for me so far. I just can't wait to see where it goes. I did think that this match was overshadowed by the six-star classic that went on before it and probably could have used some of the time given to the all-Asia tag because this was like an eight-minute match compared to the 15 minutes they gave the old men before this one. Yeah, Amori pinning Oski was a hell of a way to signal that he had moved on from not only Pontai, but the junior division entirely. I think that's a really powerful signifier. It was it was cool. It was super, super cool. Yeah, I can't really say anything more. I just, um, they made uh, Hakuto look very important. And I think that's that's going to be very uh, cool, you know, to see how they continue to navigate with this, navigate this with him going forward. And in the main event? It was a Triple Crown title match. Kento Miyahara defeated Takuya Nomura in 28 minutes and 42 seconds. I am actually in two minds about this match. There is no denying it's a great match and Kento and Nomura are both fantastic, like, world-class wrestlers. But for me, I think I compared it too much to their CC match and it never kind of reached the next level. But like I said, it was still a great match. Nomura's kicks sounded so deadly. And Kento is one brave man getting into a slap contest with Nomura. And the second half is where it really took off and got better. But it's just not above their CC match. And I hate myself for doing that. But that's all I could think of. Yuma and Nagata were our next challenge. Kento picked Yuma, who then said when he wins a title from Kento, his first defense will be against Nagata. Uh, when I first watched this, I felt exactly like you, Jesse. I preferred the Champ Carnival match as well. Um, but I decided to rewatch it the next day once my brain had recovered from the undercard craziness and everything. Uh, and I much preferred it uh, the second time around. I thought this was really, really great. And what I, the thing I liked the most here was this felt more like a Takuya match than a Kento match. And Kento working that style was really um, interesting to watch because Kento, he's not a, he's not like a slugfest kind of guy. He's a guy that's been in a lot of slugfests where people will beat the shit out of him. But he's not a guy that's going to slap people around or throw the shoot style headbutts. And here he had to get in a lot of this type of exchange and uh, it, I don't know, it was like a, it was fascinating to watch. It was really dramatic, hard hitting and um, yeah, better the second time around for sure. Once you, you get past the, uh, the undercard memories. Yeah. I mean, I think I am very much aligned with Lou and I think Jesse, initially I would have been very aligned with you. I knew I liked this match when it everything like the dust settled, but I was disappointed because I wanted to love it and I couldn't figure out why I didn't love it because it didn't make any sense to me that I wouldn't have loved this match. I think afterward I described it as like this feeling of, well, I don't think it really left first gear. And that was weird. I couldn't figure out like why I had that feeling and what, what was giving me that feeling about the match. There were parts of it where I was like, all right, this will be the part where Kento will do X and then the pace will change again. But the pace actually didn't really change that much um, during the match. So um, I think that's why I felt when I was initially watching it, when it was live, that it never left first gear. But 
Um, like Lou, I wound up watching this again the next night. I needed to definitely recover from uh, the mid-card. Um, and then I watched that again, but I also watched the 2022 Champion Carnival match um, right after that too, because I wanted the comparison because I I did like their Carnival match and I wanted to see where I would end up falling. So um, I found that on rewatch, I liked the Triple Crown match a lot more. I had time to really think about the story and what they were trying to do, which I think always helps. And I actually wound up liking it so much more than the champion carnival match. I think that it blows the champion carnival match away. Personally, that's how I wound up feeling. But I think what threw me off is that like Lou was saying, this is not a Kento match at all. And I think it's actually very unusual that we see him deviate from his style, especially in uh, triple crown defense matches um and i think that i'm just so used to his style and the way he leads and that's where we you know see him most comfortable but there is something about taki namora and he forced kento to work from behind at points in this match and um it was incredibly compelling and in being able to kind of sit with it and have that sort of time um the night after it it winds up working incredibly well from a storytelling perspective because Takia really pushes kento to his limits and like Kento in response had to dig for things that he doesn't normally pull out like the things that are rare like the Kensuke lariats and you know that like when some of these like diamond ring Kensuke office guys are pulling out the Kensuke stuff that it's serious right they don't ever pull that stuff out unless it's super serious and unless it's against an opponent that really resonates and means something to them um but I also should that should show you um, I think at points how close Kento thought he might have been to losing this to Takuya Nomura if he felt he had to dig so deep that he had to pull out Kensuke Sasaki's lariats to do this for him. So I thought that part of the match um, winds up working incredibly well because we don't often see Kento, like we see him work from behind, we see him do his big comebacks, but this is so different than the normal Kento comeback spots. And that I think was really cool upon taking a second rewatch and really being able to sit with those different components of the match. So that's really great. And I think that this match really does speak to Takia. He is fantastic. Um, I would love to see him more in all Japan. I don't know how we succeed in luring him away from, from the work that he does in uh, BJW, but maybe we'll get there one day. He's easily one of the best talents working right now, I think. But I thought their post-match was really sweet too. Just a lot of respect there between them and in their post-match comments together. And even afterwards, they were using the word, I think it translates either to resurrection or revival. That is the word they kept using. And it's interesting that they had to get through this challenge against each other to feel like they needed like to feel like they could then like really start over as a team and be the team I think that they wanted to be right moving forward as uh, as the tag champion so a really compelling bit of story there Kento on Twitter also said that Takuya wrestles um with his soul and that's something that really resonates with Kento and um yeah I think that that's like a very interesting sentiment um, and you can see how it would appeal to somebody like Kento, who feels, I think, very deeply about professional wrestling as an art. Um, and I think that he just, he sees that in Takia. And this is something that's just, you know, a very special bond between the two of them. So I think in sitting with this match more um, the next night, I was able to kind of appreciate it for what it was. Day three was on the 11th at Horogaya Public Hall. Dan Tamura and Hikaru Sato defeated Oji Shiba and Yoshitatsu in 9 minutes and 4 seconds. I thought this was fine. It was nothing really special, though I'm glad to have Shiba back. I hope he wrestles more in all Japan since we did lose two juniors at the end of last year. So he would be a nice addition. Shiba is a great addition. And 
I kind of hope he gets a shot at the uh, Junior Battle of Glory this year. That would be really cool. Um, always enjoy having him around. Yeah, I second both of you. OG Shiba, I would like to see him um, around more. I think he works really well um, with people. And hopefully, like Lou said, we will see him in that tournament. I think that'd be great. Takao Amore defeated Maso Inoue in eight minutes and 19 seconds. <laughs> Inoue is one of the slowest moving wrestlers I have ever seen. And this was actually pretty rough. Um, it's Masao World. What can I say? <laughs> it's it's in um, it's a it's a thing. Um, I'm a fan of this man, and uh, this was a match that he had with Omori. And uh, yeah, moving on. <laughs> there was like a part where Takao just like punched him in the head a few times. <laughs> that like really said so much about just this match, about Masao, about the state of Takao Amori right now. It just, that popped me so good. I just, I loved it. No, this was like a fairly solid, like old man singles match. You got to have like at least one of these on every card. Old men rock. That's all I got to say. Yeah, I'm just looking at cage match. They already had a singles match back in November. I thought they had one um, recently. And I think enough singles matches between these two. To be See, fair, he had to get he had to get Masao back for whatever happened during the All Asia tag. You know that didn't right. go right for them. So this made sense yeah. from a story perspective. It's a long term rivalry slash friendship. So yeah, it's classic All Japan in a way. <laughs> Black Tiger defeated Black Mensa right in six minutes and seventeen seconds, and this is my second zero star match for this month. Black Mensa Ray deserves better. Referee Nikan Lee deserves better. The viewers deserve better. Please never come back. Black Tiger. That's that's all. Man, Black Tiger, what a what a villain. Just getting bad reviews across the board. That's a classic heel. What can I say? I don't get it. Like, is Black Tiger supposed to be good or is he supposed to be bad? Or like what like what level of reality am I supposed to be operating on with him? That's the mystery. No <laughs> that's the mystery of Black Tiger. That's the enigma. Okay. We have too we have too many enigmas operating at the same time here in all Japan. But yeah, this is um oh, this is garbagey. And I understand this is not his normal gimmick, right? Like he doesn't wrestle with a mask normally. That's his thing. All right. Well, I think we can just call this gimmick a wash. I think that's what we should do from here. Yes. Sushi Ishikawa, Ryu Inoue, and Yuma Anzai defeated Suama, Jun Saito, and Rei Saito in 11 minutes and 45 seconds. Before I get to the voodoo murder stuff, I want to say Inoue is the fastest man alive. He was so fast in this match. Like I looked away when this match started and looking back, it's like I was watching in like two times speed. I couldn't believe just how fast he got. Now for the voodoo murder stuff, I was going to say it was miscommunication, but most of it looks intentional. Like Ray <laughs> pushing, uh, charging Suama is obviously um, intentional. Suama hitting the lariat after Anzai ducks. And like a couple seconds after Anzai Duck, it's just like your reaction time is terrible. So I think it's um, intentional now. So I'm going to throw in the chair he just used um, to hit anyway to one of the Satos. Um, I forgot which one it was. That was really funny. But just like, why do you want to get your team disqualified? These boys confused me. And Anzai got his pin. So it was a second win. Yeah, I think the very thin line between intentional and non-intentional tension in voodoo murders, uh, I find very funny. 
if they keep dragging it out for six more months, I might change my mind. But for now, I'm actually enjoying it and it's making me laugh a lot. This match, I forgot about this match, honestly. I think I forgot about this show, to be honest with you. Um, but I forgot about this match. This match made me wa- like laugh a lot, to be honest with you. It really, what set the tone was Big Shoes doing like the slow old man walk and brawl with Suwama, like right at the start. When they do that, you know it's going to be like a match, you know? That was great. And like, in a way, of course, like there's like he was in there trying and then you had like the chaos of voodoo murders around him. So anyways, it's, it's very good in this actually. But there's a spot with Suwama who complained and whined at every turn in this match. He hits in a way with a chair and then he throws the chair to June and then ratted him out to the ref like June was responsible, which was like the most incredible Suwama as the evil executive director moment. I loved it. That like made me lose my mind. I thought that was fantastic. Anzai did have some good spots in this too. Like he had a very nice gut wrench suplex on one of the Saito brothers. I forget which one it was. The ring announcer in the background, if you watch him while Suwama is causing problems, he like his facial expressions are just magnificent. So there's a lot, there's layers to this this uh, match, like uh, most Voodoo's performances. So yeah, we're going to get to it at the end of the month. This stuff, like most of the time, like Jesse alluded to, goes absolutely nowhere. But the tension as they build to it, though, is is fun. You'll laugh. Next up, we have Minoru Suzuki and Hokuto Amari defeat Ruki Honda and Yusuke Kadama in 11 minutes and 45 seconds. This was great. I really had a lot of fun watching this match. Amari just looks so much more confident in his new role and partnership with Suzuki. I would like to see more Suzuki and Honda. So hopefully with Suzuki staying around, we get more of that in the future. And the move where Kadama flung Amari into a suplex by Honda, that was just so freaking cool. I thought that uh, like Honda getting in the face of Suzuki at the, at the beginning was like super cool. Cause I think that like most things Honda does is super cool to be honest, but Omori dragging Suzuki back and Suzuki being fine with that. That's interesting. Super, super, super interesting. We have not really begun to, I think, even scrape the surface of the dynamics of this new group and how it's going to all work. And we're also looking at like a Minoru Suzuki post Suzuki Goon, like what does that look like for him? What is his temperament like with all these new little groups? I don't have a great handle on what he's doing in New Japan right now. I think he has a new group with Desperado and another wrestler whose name I forget. Ren Narita. Ren Narita. Sorry. I don't, I like, I watched New Japan for Kenta. Um, so I don't know what he's going to be like with this group, right? But like Hakuto is young and like very much his junior, right? So it was just interesting to see Hakuto do that, like literally drag Suzuki back and say like, no, I'm going to start. So that was really interesting. Um, I thought that Kodama was actually exceptional in this because um, he's just a really good wrestler. Um, he just had some really good spots with Omori. In the main event, we had Kento Mihara, Rising Hayato, and Kes Hayashi defeat Yuma Oyagi, Naoya Nomura, and Asuki Oyagi in 14 minutes and 29 seconds. I had a lot of fun with this. It's the first crazy six-man tag of the year, and I'm just so happy these crazy tags are back. I think Nomura did a great job filling in for the spot that Jake left when he left All Japan at the end of last year. Hayato has been the star of six-man tags lately, and this was another match where I thought he was the star even Kento was sharing a gif of Hayato doing a top rope splash to Yuma and Nomura on Twitter, which I thought was really cute. Um, I wasn't a fan of uh, Kaz pinning Aski, but what I'm going to do, it happened. 
One thing I want to mention that just might be me, it might be me overanalyzing things like I always do, but Kento and Yuma started off this was very reminiscent of Kento and Jake whenever they start matches. And this might mean nothing and probably does mean nothing, but I hope it means they might be pushing Yuma into the Jake spot. If you look back at tags, Jake and Kento have this thing where they start off and it's always the same in every single match. Uh, Jake goes for the kick, Kento ducks out of the way and they stare at each other. Kento and Yuma had something like this, and I can't remember when they had something like this before. So I hope this leads to something. But, of course, you know, it might just be me and my crazy Kento Yuma brain. That actually makes sense to me. I think with Jake gone, like we've discussed this before, but Yuma would be the perfect guy to get right in that spot. So... Other than that, I'm just going to echo Jesse's thoughts that I'm really glad we're getting these uh, six-man tag main events back after the break from Real World Tag League, where we we missed out on a lot of these. Uh, always a fun reward for everyone watching the house shows. Uh, they keep delivering every time, and this was no different. I have no complaints. I actually forgot how fun this was um, until last night when I was randomly looking up something on Twitter. I think I was on Kento's Twitter and I saw some older like videos from it. And I was like, oh, I forgot like how fun like some of the spots were. But no, this was really cool. I will mention that one of the tag belts fell off of Kento when um, Inoue was unbuckling the other one, like the one that wasn't supposed to fall off of him. And the crowd's reaction to that was like genuinely shocked me. I thought they finally broke one of the belts. So that was super funny. The crowd reacted like like very dramatically to this too. It's really funny if you catch it from the beginning. So yeah, not good. But no, I thought this was really good. The only thing that disappointed me was that with Naoya not, they really do limit his time in the ring. I really wanted to see more of him and Hayato in the match. Hayato had some of the like more impressive moments to me last year between like some of the heavyweights, just like he would get like paired off with certain people in tags and then have like these like, like incredible little like moments with them. We also saw him have a great match with Shuji Ishikawa. Um, so I was really wanting to see more of him and Naoya um, in this match, but we didn't quite get it or at least get it in the way that I um, wanted to have it. So I'm hoping that we see a little bit more of this in the future. And then, you know, of course, like Yuma is like the king of physical comedy in all Japan, um, very much like followed by Kento. So they had a lot of like really funny spots in this, just like throwing themselves over the rings after each other, uh, over the ropes rather. There was like a spot too where I think they accidentally like knocked like Kaz off the ro- left off the uh, ring apron and like the crowd reacted to this, but you couldn't see it on camera. No, so this is this is like a lot of fun. Like Lou was saying, it's it is the reward of watching um, all of the house shows during the month. Is you get to see some of these like big main event um, six mans, which is really nice. Yeah, nothing more to, to add. Uh, I just wish that Naoya and Hayato had more time together. Day four was on the fifteenth at two AW Square. Bakemenso Ray and Keiji Tomato versus Oji Shiba and Taruko Nikki went to a ten minute draw. Another Blackmanso Ray 10-minute draw, but I thought this was actually pretty fun. All four men looked like they were just enjoying themselves, and it was a pretty good match, I thought. Yeah, I'm not a 2AW expert by any stretch of the imagination, but any wrestler with vegetable-based gimmick is cool in my book. So Kaji Tomato, uh, come back anytime. 
Um, Nikki, I think Takuro Nikki wrestled actually last year, maybe also in the same venue, and he, he was impressive back then. He was impressive here. Uh, fun opener. Yeah, really fun. Ruki Honda and Yusuke Kadama defeated Rio Inoue and Yuma Ansai in eight minutes and seven seconds. They had the terrible goal music where it's just random noise. Like, Ashino needs to come back ASAP because they always come out to his theme. I just hate the goal theme. I thought this was pretty good. Anzai and Inoue are very over with the fans. They absolutely love these two boys. Inoue said he would like to aim for the all-Asia tag belts with Anzai, and that is something I would really like to see. And looking at who the champs are right now, that would be a major upgrade. I like this one a lot. Uh, yeah, Anzai, Inoue together, really, really good. And from watching this, I just had the impression that Everyone is starting to understand that Rio in a way, like he's 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 going to be a big deal and he's a great wrestler. So they just let him like do his thing. They let him kick ass. And yeah, it was a lot of Rio in a way kicking ass before taking the fall. Uh, I enjoyed it a lot. Same. I thought this was really, really good. Um, and I'm looking forward to, like we were kind of mentioning at the top of the episode, in a way, an Anzai developing as a team could be something spectacular. This could really lead to a huge moment for the two of them at some point in the year. I hope that we get there. They have another match too on a different, I think it's on the final um, show. Uh, maybe I can't remember how many shows are left in this, <laughs> in this tour, to be honest with you. Um, but they have another match too, where uh, or maybe it was in this one, I can't remember, but they have a moment with each other where there's like a slight miscommunication and then they recalibrate and they get it. So they have these moments where they need to figure out how to work together. But once they get there, this is going to be really, really solid and something exciting. So I'm looking forward to um, them continuing to develop and then hopefully making that All-Asia Challenge that anyway has been talking about. Naroki Doi defeated Dan Tamara in 9 minutes and 47 seconds. All I have to say is I think Doi is the perfect opponent for Dan. He got the fans to cheer for him and the fans to boo. I just thought it was really good. Yeah, that was another good one um, and a really interesting showcase of Doi's heel style, which I really enjoy. Uh, he, he, he's being an asshole and riling up the crowd without disrupting the flow of, of his matches with like outside segments or anything you might see from Voodoo Murders. Everything is always on track and fast-paced. And Dan worked super well in that setting. He had some really good lariats. Uh, Doi made him look really good. Yeah, enjoyed this one a lot as well. This match was so impressive for all the reasons that Jesse and Lou are, are highlighting. But um, I did note that Doi had just won the um, Universal Belt over at DDT. So we're getting that much closer to the DDT AGPW crossover show of my dreams. Cause that to me is the real crossover show is those groups of people, because we have a couple people on our roster who would just love to, uh, to do some of the stuff that the DDT guys get to do. But I was so impressed by Doi and like the genuine, like fun heel heat that he generates here. And again, to lose point, like it's not disruptive it's not fucking around and messing with the refs and like doing all of that shit that like drives us all crazy about a voodoo murders match like it's just genuine riling up the crowd and getting them to cheer for his opponent and like making dan look like he's you know a fucking star and like that is cool that's awesome so that's something we could use around there and dan was great he worked so well off of doy and granted 
Dan has a, like, every time he comes out to perform, I think Dan looks even better. I mean, I think Dan is really in a good place right now, but this was a really, really good match for him. The whole sequence before the pin with Dan in control was so solid for Dan. I mean, like, this just looked so fucking great. So, yeah, I I liked this match quite a bit. This is not one to skip on this card. Suji Shikawa, Yoshitatsu, and Takao Amore defeated Suama, Jun Sato, and Rei Sato. We have more infighting with the Voodoo Murders, but the most important part of this match to me is Suama backdropping Jun, letting Takao hit Axe Bomber, and Yoshitatsu hitting his not-so-great-looking finisher. Suama just stood there, didn't interfere. It was just so funny. And the only logical reason for this is Suama is part of the Yoshitatsu kingdom, and that's all I got. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this... This actually had uh, two things that I like, which is Saito Brothers working sort of straightforward heavyweight style. Uh, They went at it with Ishikawa, which was cool. Uh, The other thing that I quite like is all the, as we mentioned earlier, voodoo murders, dissolution, comedy, uh, really popped me here. Um, There was a spot where Suama offered a handshake to uh, June and Ray was like screaming in the background, like, don't do it. Don't do it. I don't know. This kind of stuff is really amusing to me. And uh, yeah, that's about it. My notes say more Suwama performance art, which I think think sums it up really well. I put VDM with Suwama's idea and he's going to destroy it from the inside, which again, like, speaks to the performance art and i and i did put actually the saitos did rather well here and takao mori was like incredibly over which is really not that surprising but yeah just um another bizarre little match in the uh unfolding drama of uh voodoo murders that's all i got hokuto omari defeated kara sato in 11 minutes and 48 seconds I saw a lot of people like this match, but for some reason, I just couldn't get into it. I thought it was okay, but I thought the Junior Battle of Glory match last month was a lot better. Yeah, I was actually comparing it to the title match that they had last year. I think it was in June. Um, And yeah, it wasn't on that level. The main thing about this one uh, is that for the, I think, opening first five minutes, there was a lot of wada trying to make the match about him um and i don't know maybe it wasn't the right place considering they're doing this big storyline trying to put omori to the next level uh but last few minutes were pretty good and it ended up going where it should have been going all along which is omori getting you know a convincing win over sato i also struggled with this match and I think it was because Wada spent the beginning arguing with Hakuto. And like, granted, they have a history of arguing as well, but it's not like, it's just not necessary. And I think actually we didn't talk about this in the, the Kento Takia match, but Wada wasn't around for that, mm-hmm. um, which probably helped Kento focus. <laughs> so um, <laughs> like, I, like I love Wada. I do love Wada. Um, have all the respect in the world for Wada, but like, especially in this little match here with Hakuto and Sato, it just wasn't necessary. And it distracted from, I think what we needed to do, which was to get a convincing win over Sato. And I felt in the beginning that Omori didn't look that like his, what he was doing against Sato didn't look that clean. I just didn't like the way that this looked when they got to the second half of the match. 
it ended a lot better, but something about the execution of this was messy to me. So I didn't like it that much. In the main, we had Yuma Ayagi, Asuke Ayagi, and Naoya Nomura defeat Kento Mihara, Rising Hayato, and Kotaro Suzuki in 18 minutes and 17 seconds. Oh my God, Kento was insane this whole time. I tried to count how many times he said nice, but I couldn't keep up. I quickly lost count. He just was like, uh, it was peak Kento. Yuma getting booed for messing with Hayato's hair was the right call from the crowd. Like, don't touch his hair. Um, a nice little exceed reunion with Kento and um, Kataro. This was okay, but I think I enjoyed the previous six-man tag more. And I don't know, but, like, I just had no excitement for the build to the triple crown match and tag title match that Kento and Yuma had. And me saying that, that means, like, you know, that's something big since they're two of my favorites. But um, I thought this was good. Like six man tags are always fun with Kento and Yuma in it, but I like the previous days better. I guess I was higher than Jesse on this one. I, I like this one a whole lot. Um, three highlights for me. Basically, anytime Kento and Naoya are in the ring together, it's like world class pro wrestling. And this was no exception. Um, what else? We had. Atsuki and Kotaro working together really well. They have this sort of intergenerational junior thing going on, which is really interesting. And the ending stretch between Yuma and Rising Hayato was amazing, I thought. Uh, Hayato takes the most horrifying German suplex bump at some point. Um, He just looks right at home working main events with all the other main event guys. And it's um, it's it's promising for his future. So yeah, I, I love this match. I thought this was good, but I wanted to love it more than I ended up with it. Um, and I was surprised. I was really excited about Kento and um, Kotaro being back in a match together because of um, exceed reasons. Um, and I think I don't think they've been in a match together since like 2017. Um, exceed had been done by that point, but it's just interesting that it's been a while. So that part of it was really cool. I was really excited to see Kotaro and Atsuki work together. And I had put in my notes that I'd love to see a true program between these two. And we'll get to that in the next, um, uh, the next card, obviously. Um, but that, you know, those aspects of it were, were really, really, really cool. Hayato, uh, I think giving it to Yuma was really, really good. Uh, I was actually like surprised at how much Yuma got booed um, during this, but that's what the crowd was into. So you know what? I I got I got to respect them for it. I guess there was um, there was some like like now he had that really like nasty spear um, on Hayato, and then he went right into the elbows um, on Kento too, which was a really really good spot. Such an effective Naya spot. So yeah, there was a lot of really really good moments in this, but I think that. You, <laughs> Kotaro, I adore him. I really do. He's one of my favorite wrestlers. But you can always tell when he's like ready to go versus when he's like, you know, I'm here. And that was um one of his like, you know, I'm here uh, type of performances. So love him, and I'll take him even if he's in one of those modes. But that I think was um was certainly part of it. To, to Jesse's point, I think it was a weird positioned main event compared to like what we were going to get on the next show. So the timing of it was a little strange, but it's still good um, and good to have uh, Kotaro back on some of these cards because he is important to this company as well. The last day, day five, was on the 22nd at Corican Hall. And one thing before we get started is that this show had cheering. And I believe this is the first 
All Japan show since 2020 to have cheering at Korokan Hall. So it was really, really cool. To start off, we had Black Manso Ray and Kataro Suzuki defeat Rising Hayato and Oji Shiba in seven minutes and four seconds. This was perfectly fine junior action, like all the junior action. Something I've noticed, which I'm sure people are going to disagree with me on, is that the junior um, division in All Japan have found their groove with each other and they just work so well together that when an outside comes like Kataro or Kaz, it can be like a little clunky. I'm not saying like anything's bad or Kataro or Kaz are bad, but it's just crazy to think just how well the juniors in All Japan mesh together and have trouble having a, a bad match with each other. Fair point. Um, I, I think, yeah, they, they worked so well together that when you bring in these outside guys, it's a bit jarring at first. Um, but to this match's credit, I think by the end of it, uh, Hayato and Kotaro were doing some pretty good stuff together that made me excited for the eventual Kotaro challenge that we're going to talk about later on. Um and uh, yeah, I guess I, I was happy to see Shiba in that match again. He, he clicked well with uh, everyone here. And this was like right off the bat, you could tell that the, the Korakuen Hall cheering was already adding a lot to these matches. Uh, people were already going nuts for every basic thing that happened here and that would keep going on throughout the card. So that was really fun. I'll say too, because I think Lou, you said this, I just don't remember when, and I'll I'll poorly paraphrase from it, but it's almost like what the All Japan Juniors are doing is sort of like a style of wrestling unto itself, I think is sort of how you described it. So it almost doesn't surprise me that even uh, Kotaro Suzuki, as uh, he's a veteran and he's wrestled here and such, it doesn't surprise me that, uh, and Kasayashi, veteran, wrestled there, like it doesn't surprise me that you know, these guys come back in and they have to find their footing at first because what we're doing right now with the juniors in all Japan is is a style unto itself. So I think that makes a lot of sense here. And I'm going to echo Lou's sentiments too. I thought that it was really cool to see Hayato and um, Kotaro mix it up in this. And I think that, you know, we we see some of these guys come in and they're obviously kind of being, uh, they're waiting in the wing, so to speak, for Atsuki um, and his reign. But it's like you almost want to like just, earmark these people for Hayato, get these guys in front of Hayato in meaningful ways as well outside of some of these opening tags. Nuruki Doi and Hokuto Amore defeated Reya Inoue and Yuma Anzai in eight minutes and one second. And I said this before with the Dan match, but Doi is just the perfect person for the rookies to go up against. He made the crowd boo him, which in turn made them cheer Inoue and Anzai just even more. It's just so cool that Inoue and Anzai get to go up against someone like Doi. Like, in a lot of other companies, you know, the rookies don't get this chance. But in all Japan, it's like, yeah, here's Doi, you know, here's Sawama, here's Kento. You can go up against all these top guys. And it's just, I, it's, it's just so great for um, the rookies. That was a really good match. Um, yeah. Uh, again, when you get the uh, crowd reactions in Karakuen Hall, it sort of reveals the true, like, overness level of these wrestlers and Anzai and Inoue they were crazy over here and having them work off Doi's heel shtick was perfect also really liked Okuto and Anzai as exchanges together some really good forearm action and super cool ending stretch between Inoue and Doi with a lot of like roll-up kickouts and uh, big crowd reactions 
Yeah, not too much to add there. I thought the heat for Doi in this was so cool to hear kind of what we were speaking about before when it comes to him and how he's able to work the crowd. And this ended up being, the looking in my notes now, this wound up being the match where I noticed that there was like just a little bit of clunkiness with Anzai anyway, needing to get a little bit better at reading each other's cues. But um, once they kind of get used to working together and improving their timing, um, they'll be a solid little team. So it's all good stuff as they kind of build this uh, this new tag team together. The Gora TV title match was next. Minoru Tanaka defeated Toshizo in 10 minutes and 17 seconds to become the new champion. I just have to say Minoru is just so cool. I just love to see him wrestle. I love for him to appear on All Japan more. This was a pretty good match. I have to give um, Toshizo props. All of his defenses were really good and he didn't disappear with the belt like some people do. But now it's time for him to jump off the sinking Voodoo Murders boat, take off the mask, bring back the purple trunks. Um, it's time, Toshizo. I thought it was this was a super solid match. Um, they kept it really simple, like heel versus baby face type structure. And Minoru Tanaka is just so freaking good. I could watch this guy wrestle all day. I'm really glad he's getting a run with the Garara TV title, the most important championship in wrestling. Um, and I guess we'll talk about it more later, but I hope that Atsuki... Aoyagi was watching this match because he could learn a lot from the way that Minoru put together his babyface performance here. Um, but yeah, we'll discuss that uh, later. Yeah, this match kind of rocked. We'll get into it when we get into that match that's coming later. But I actually think I liked this in some ways more than I liked uh, the junior championship match. I'm just going to say right now, this this was really, really good. I loved the mat work at the start. There's nothing that Minoru Tanaka does that isn't fucking cool. He's just such a good wrestler. I was actually spending a lot of time um, looking him up again the last like two days, and we'll get into why later. But um, he's just an incredible wrestler with such an with an incredible career. And it's just uh, I just wish that he. I know that he does great stuff, but he's another person where it's like, how do we get you to stay here all the time? And like Jesse was saying too, like Toshizo really deserves so much credit for this reign. Like every like defense he had was good. And um, there's something to be said for that. He's a very good hand. And I hope that we get to um, still see more of him um, and, and get to see like, you know, whatever chapter is going to be next for him. And I think that uh, while Minoru is going to be a very good choice of champion, I am hoping that we can use him now as a way to build this title a little more, make it a little um, more serious and, um, give that to somebody, um, that's, uh, that hangs around all Japan a lot more. Um, I'm not necessarily sure who I'd want to see that go to, if I want to see that go to like somebody younger or whatever, but I think there's a lot we can do with that title. Um, and having someone like Minoru being the one to hold it, because if you beat him, that's a, that's a statement, you know, if you, if you're the one that gets to beat him. So I hope that we do something pretty cool with that title now, and it doesn't just get, you know, dropped to God knows who and spun into the undercard madness. So I don't know. We'll see. I'll, I'll, I'll uh, maintain some hope there. Yuji Nagata, Dan Tamura, and Hikaru Sato defeated Shoshiro Oshino, Ruki Honda, and Masa Hanabara in 8 minutes and 15 seconds. And this was Oshino's return match after an injury to his shoulder. And I feel like the two gut-wrench suplexes he gave to Dan was him showing off that his shoulder is fine. Hanabata had a little tribute to Muto, which was very cute at the start. And Nagata should just join Evolution at this point or just become an honorary member. Like he basically is just like 
fast track it. A very solid match here. I, I just I thought the crowd reaction for Gugnir of Anarchy was really heartwarming. They were super over. People were happy to see Ashino back. And uh, yeah, you had the uh, the fake evolution guys going after the bad shoulder. Nice touch. Uh, not much more to add. Just a solid match. Yeah, super solid. I feel like with Ashino back, we're we're truly back in business, really, right? Like there is um something to be said for not having him around for several weeks. He really um there's like a hole left with um with Ashino not being around. So it's good that we get to have him back here. It was really nice to hear the crowd getting behind them too. And it's it's not surprising they have Nagata um picking up the win here either, um, since he's on deck for the winner of Yuma Kento in early February. But it was just a great way to get Ashino back in the mix with his team. And I, I do like seeing Ashino and Sato still have this heat between them because again, like all the stuff we discussed in 2022 with like the end of evolution and the end of their relationship that they sort of like came to a good point with. And then they had to, I don't know, then Gunier of Anarchy started and we never got any kind of resolution to any of that. So it's, it's nice that they still have that there and they kind of like pick it up when they get back in a ring together. So yeah, I enjoyed seeing it for, uh, for those reasons too. Next up, we got some announcements. They ran down the 4th of February card that will be headlined by Kento versus Yuma for the Triple Crown. On the 19th, New Japan wrestlers will be at the show, including our favorite Young Lions, Toriano, Taguchi, Masawato, Minoru Suzuki, Naruki Doi, Yuji Nagata, Kotaro Suzuki, and Naoya Nomura will also be on that show. And we got Champion Carnival dates. It starts on the 8th of April and finishes on the 4th of May. Suama, Kono, Jun Sato, and Rei Sato defeated Suji Ishikawa, Ren Ayabe, Takao Mora, and Yoshitatsu in 10 minutes and 47 seconds. And it's really good to see Ayabe back. It's been a while since we've had him on the show due to a collapsed lung. Of course, we got more fighting from the Satos and Suwama. Uh, it's gone on for so long. It's kind of like daytime TV levels of um, length it's taking for them to actually break up. Taru got on the mic and said that voodoo murders need to stay together to make all Japan bigger. He also told everyone to get good results in the champion carnival and for the Satos to get some belts before they stand to Sawama. It's now the second time that the voodoo murders angle has been teased and nothing has come from it. Yeah, I was thinking about this. Uh, would these last the, these last shows of nonstop voodoo murder bickering, uh, if if this is the conclusion of that where everything ends happily ever after, would that not be the most all Japan thing ever? Just asking the question. Um, <laughs> But yeah, this uh, Taru had a really nice motivational speech here. I'm gonna, I gotta hand it to him. He's a, he's a solid guy. Oh man, when Taru is like the voice of reason, bringing the lads back together, right? <laughs> You're in like real dire straits. I think it's, it's, it is just like I felt like a hostage to that segment. I really did. I just, I don't know. I don't have any words for it. I, I just. <laughs> I, I really don't I don't I don't know because to me from like I, I think the interesting thing that he said was like you've got to win so to the Saito brothers you've got to win some belts before you stand to Suwama okay I understand that because I think that's kind of what everyone's story innately is right in in all Japan like you've got to 
prove yourself before you go to the old ace and prove yourself to the old ace being Suwama. I get that. But like, I'm just not understanding where this stuff is going. We've now like, cause they're, I guess they're supposed to always be sort of, it's kind of like bullet club. Bullet club is like this too. They're mm-hmm. always like two seconds away from like stepping on each other's throats, right? Like that's how they always kind of are. Things are always just sort of simmering below the surface. And I think that's what we're supposed to be getting out of voodoo murders too. It's like one bad day and it's just going to all explode. Right. But it, it doesn't make for very compelling story. It's just tedious. And then to have Taru as the guy being like, now, now, and like bringing them all together. That Again, I felt like a hostage to that segment. So like, that's where we are, I think with, with it all. Like it, if it's just Suwama and the Saito brothers, then it's funny. But when it goes into like, now Taru's going to come out and get the, all the boys together and like make it better again, that's going to make me feel insane. So like, that's all I've got for, uh, Voodoo murders thoughts at this point. I don't know. Funniest thing for me here was that the crowd gave it such a baby face reaction. Like <laughs> yes. they've been oh they've been spending months like establishing these guys as the most like dangerous heel unit. And now we get this dissolution angle that leads to like a triumphant baby face moment. I'm going to um, just chalk that up to the cork and folks being happy they could cheer yeah. the cork. And, but I'm a little mad at them. I feel betrayed by <laughs> their reactions to this shit. Oh, man. So Ama is just so funny to think about. Like he had the perfect wrestling career. He was tagging with Ashino. They had a really cool team. Dan and um, Sato were never going to betray him. Let's be honest. Like, they were never going to betray him at all. And now he's, like, standing there looking like a toddler who's been told off listening to Taru. It's just hilarious. One of the funniest things I think you've ever said now is Suwama is funny to think about. I'm going to think about that a lot. Jesse, thank you. <laughs> he's a funny man. <laughs> So next we had the junior title match. Askeriyagi defeated Kaz Hayashi in 13 minutes and five seconds. I didn't realize this, but Kaz Hayashi is almost 50. He's 49 and him still going at this level is just so great to see. The promo before the match was pretty cool to see Kaz as the older ace and see what he's accomplished in his career. This was probably my least favorite Aski defense. It wasn't bad, but it didn't get into that great territory. Like they had a good match. It was fine, but it was nothing compared to Aski's other defenses. After the match, Aski and Kaz shared a sweet moment in the ring before Kataro Suzuki came to challenge. And thanks to Alex Rain for the translation. Kataro said, only one message, let's have a title match. Aski replied that one message is not enough. My all-time favorite wrestler, Kataro Suzuki, wants to challenge me. There is no reason to say no. Let's do it. Yeah, this was a good match, but the the thing with these Atsuki versus veteran matches that I have a problem with, I guess, is as Alicia mentioned early on, uh, Atsuki's still very young, he's still learning, and his emoting and selling are not like quite there yet. Like there's not a lot of... There's no sense of struggling in most of his matches. Like he makes everything look almost too easy because he's so athletic he's so flashy and his execution is so good that when you have these matches with a veteran wrestler like grinding him down 
when he gets on the comeback trail, every time it feels a bit too easy. Uh, we were talking about that Minoru Toshizo match earlier where they did a lot less and it felt more meaningful because like Minoru is selling so much and he's like building towards these big baby face comebacks. And you often don't see that kind of stuff in the Atsuki versus veteran matches. Uh, we might get there some, I'm, I'm sure you'll get it someday. I'm, he's a smart kid, really talented. Uh, but so far from what I'm seeing, his better matches are always when he's having like bomb fests, like nonstop crazy action, like his match with Rising Hayato, like these sort of Dragon Gate, almost all elite wrestling style matches. That's where he's at his best. Uh, there's these little nuances, these little details that are probably going to get better over time. And yeah, that's that, that match kind of suffered for me because of that. Yeah, extremely, extremely well said. I thought this was a fine match because, you know, it was fine. It's another feather in Otsuki's cap, if you will. And I think that's kind of the theme here, right? We're just adding to, again, that building of an ace and having him go over important veterans to build this story for Otsuki, which I think is very important. Um, I do think that the Kaz Hayashi appearances of late have lacked something for me, and I'm not sure what that is exactly. And I've seen, I'm very familiar with Kaz Hayashi as he relates to All Japan. I've seen great Kaz Hayashi matches. I'm not sure what it what it is, but I think there's something of that. But like Lou was saying, this match just lacked urgency. You knew Otsuki was going to win. And that doesn't make for, in my mind, a good match at the end of the day. And there's things that Otsuki has to learn to do, to tweak, that will create that urgency and make these matches real statement pieces. And I think he can get there. But again, he's young and he's learning this on the fly. This is a division that has needed someone like him that needs a stable figure like this to build the division around. But He's super young and he has a lot of things to learn. Like Lou said, he should be watching a lot of Minoru Tanaka matches. Um, He mentions that Kotaro Suzuki is his favorite wrestler. You need to watch older Kotaro Suzuki matches. Also put on older Kenta matches because Kenta is one of the best wrestlers when it comes to emoting um, that you're going to find. So I think that there's a lot that uh, Oski can do to kind of build this repertoire of skills uh, that he's going to need moving forward. Um, but again, it, it's a fine match. I, I wouldn't say to skip it by any means. Um, there's parts of it that that work uh, rather well, but again, there's just no urgency there for me. So this is not my favorite um, that we've seen of Oski so far. I do think that the Kotro challenge is super exciting. Um, I think, think from here too, uh, you know, I keep thinking about the Doi challenge too. So we have some really nice things like that are, I think, going to be coming on the horizon. I don't anticipate that Kotaro Suzuki would win, you know, obviously. So we're still building to other things, but yeah, a lot to look forward here. Um, I'm very excited too that Asuki did say that Kotaro um, is his favorite wrestler because Kotaro is someone who I think if you uh, started to pull um, some of these uh, really young guys in the junior divisions across the companies, you would find that many of them would cite Kotaro Suzuki as one of their favorite wrestlers. And I think that's really important and cool. My problem with Asuki's next title match is there's absolutely no build to it. Like it's literally the next show is his title match with uh, Kotaro. It's like they're not going to even build to it, like not even give it like one show to build to it. So it's just like, 
I don't know, it kind of feels flat to me. Like ever since Doi said he has his eyes on the junior belt, I'm like, okay, Asuki's not going to lose to Doi. He's going to beat everybody and Doi is who he's going to lose to. I don't know if people feel the same as me, but that's my thinking with that. That is a fair point. Yeah, I, I guess the Atsuki Kotaro build-up match was uh, on the, one of these earlier six-man tags, but uh, but you're right, it's it's happening quickly. <laughs> I think it's supposed to be one of those. Uh, it's another you know feather in Atsuki's cap, if you will. I don't think we're meant to. I don't, and I think to to counter you, Jesse, a little bit. I understand what you're saying, and I completely under you know agree with you to some uh, degree, but. I think that you don't necessarily need to have build because Kotaro Suzuki is Kotaro Suzuki. I think like his name and who he is alone, uh, especially as far as junior wrestling goes, there's a weight to that. And uh, he, you know, he is an, um, an all Japan um, alum, if you will. So there is history there and there is weight to that where um, I think that's what they're, at least they want you to feel that way. They want you to feel like it's Kotaro Suzuki. He's coming in to fight Atsuki. Um, so we don't need to really have a build to that. <laughs> We're just going to put that match in front of you. And hopefully, um, you know, Kotaro is motivated enough to, to take a shirt off for the match. So we'll see. We'll see who we get when, uh, when everything uh, comes together. But I think it should actually be um, a very good match. It's like, a, I think it's a, another potential passing of the torch moment. And, and usually uh, those guys will show up for that. No, no, that makes complete sense. I just wish we just got a little bit more build, especially because the show that they're um, wrestling on already has two huge title matches. And this is like a third. It's just, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how they do. Anyway, let's get to this match. Yuma Oyagi and Naya Nomura defeated Kento Mihara and Takuya Nomura in 22 minutes and 33 seconds to become the new World Tag Team Champions. And like, honestly, what can I say about this match that hasn't already been said? It was just like fantastic. This obviously is my match of the year so far, and it's going to be very hard to beat. Two quick things before we get into it. The video package was really good and seeing Naoya in the All Japan Dojo was just like a very sweet moment. And Honda on commentary did such a good job. He matched the tone and the vibe of this match perfectly. It was just so funny. One thing I just want to talk about is just how insane this match was wrestler-wise. Like never in anybody's wildest dreams, I think they would have these two pairing um, in a tag match. Like looking back a year ago, Yuma and Kento were still a team. Naya just had his last match in All Japan and Takuya hasn't wrestled in All Japan since uh, 2017. So by 2023, to have all these four in a match going for the tag titles, like just blows my mind. Um, the wrestling itself was amazing. The Namora Namora interactions was perfect, as just was the Kento and Yuma interactions. Um, for Yuma to win over Kento was just so important heading into their triple crown match. Yuma is yet to pin Kento in a 1v1 match. So him pinning him here was just a big moment. Um, and the last thing I want to say before handing it over, because I know you two probably want to talk about it, is just having your favorite wrestler win such a big match and win the belt is just so special. I just love this so much. It's like, I don't know, I don't have the words right now. I will get them one day. But this was just so special to me. Yeah, that was uh, that was an incredible match. Um, we talked about earlier how um, they had their early January shows uh, in the middle of Wrestle Kingdom buzz, doing a lot of weird undercard mm-hmm. craziness. 
Um, here, it felt like, um, you know, a few days earlier, there, there was that big New Japan versus NOAA um, buzz show. And they, they sort of, I don't know if it was intentional or not, but the way that this match came together, it felt like it, it rode on that level of buzz in the Japanese wrestling industry just perfectly. Like everyone on Twitter was talking about that match, just raving about it. I saw a lot of people who were considering watching All Japan for the first time now because of that match and saying like, Okay, I'm I'm an all Japan guy now. I'm I'm on board. Um, just spectacular stuff. Um, so much to talk about with this match, but essentially, I, I, I thought it was really interesting how they they split it between the Nomuras and Kento and Yuma on the other side, like the the Nomura section, super stiff and just exactly what you would want from um, a match featuring these two against each other. And on the other side, Kento and Yuma just heating up their future Triple Crown match. I felt like it sort of took, if you go back and watch all the recent Kento-Yuma matches, it sort of took all the best bits from these matches and just packaged it into like this crazy, stressful ending stretch with like now um, allowed crowd reactions to make it all seem even more amazing. Uh, I don't know. I could rave about this match for 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 a long time, so I'm just gonna give it to Alicia. <laughs> I don't even know how to follow you, and I feel very similar to Jesse in that, like, I don't even know still that I have the words for this match. But I think it really does speak to the quality of this match, and this is also a feeling that, like, I I get specifically sometimes with um with all Japan and with certain people that are a part of this match is that they this this is a special group of of performers who and it's just like this very uh, this these these performers have this ability to to deliver these very one-of-a-kind matches that that really are they will they will leave you breathless and that's, that's exactly what this match did it was so heartening to see the amount of people on twitter and elsewhere talking about this match asking how do i get into all japan where do i start who do i go to um that's so cool we got to see that you know last year i think with what was champions night three i think is where we saw some of that begin too um so to have that this early on in the year for um this type of this type of tag match is is so heartening um especially coming off you know i'm going to reference it again but especially coming off of jake's departure and then being here and still not really knowing where we are necessarily with now yet but to have this many people interested in um all japan is a really cool thing there is almost too much to talk about in terms of the different aspects of this match. But I felt that with the way that they're using Naoya right now, Takia Nomura is the perfect opponent for him. Everything they did was just stunning. Um, really, really incredible. Like just everything was so brutal and so hard hitting. And it was just, um, it was amazing to watch the two of them work and for the amount of time that we get now yet and during these segments, it was, was Takio really was the perfect person to have um, against him. It was, I hope that we get to see more um, of those two. And then to lose point with Yuma and uh, Kento, I felt like, like Lou, you're correct. Like we really were seeing sort of like combining all of the best parts of their more recent matches, but it's almost like they still managed to find the next level already. 
And because I felt like the with the urgency and the intensity at which they would tag in and clash every time, it felt like a new Yuma and Kento to me already. And that kind of blew me away. And we haven't even gotten to their Triple Crown match that's coming up in February, which I have extremely mixed feelings about still. But it almost doesn't matter because it's just amazing that we are already seeing the evolution of, um, you know, their, their relationship and the types of uh, exchanges and matches we get from, uh, from them through this. So I loved seeing that. And then that ending stretch, it's like that type of ending stretch that only Yuma Aoyagi can give you like that really, like really leaves you um, on the edge of your seat. And it just makes you think about like what we can get one day when he's actually going to get the triple crown off of whoever that's going to be. Um, I have doubts about what's going to happen when he faces Kento um, in the beginning of February. But you, you just can feel that we're that much closer to that actual reality of Yuma being the Triple Crown champion. So this was just um, outstanding. I I was, you know, I wanted this to happen, but I had lost a little bit of heart after Yuma challenged for the Triple Crown so suddenly. So that to me in my mind went, well, he's not going to win anything now. <laughs> They'll lose both. Um, but I was glad that in the end um, that Nomuyagi won these belts. I think, like I was saying before, this kind of needed to happen as a bit of goodwill and a bit of morale boosting, I think, coming off of the end of 2022. So this is good for, I think, the roster. It's good for some of these wrestlers. And it's really good for the fans to see all Japan getting behind uh, this team in particular and pushing Yuma to the forefront. And I think this is really how you build Yuma. This is the correct way because, again, we saw him last year um, go from winning champion carnival and having that sort of achievement to then having several months of not doing much of anything really right um so it's nice to see him back into the mix back into a main event spot holding a, a set of belts they're falling apart um but it's fine i think we'll be okay for a little bit longer and I, but it's good to see him in that spot because whether or not he wins with Kento for the, the Triple Crown, it doesn't matter right now. You still have him at the forefront with Naoya um, holding the tag belts, and he can afford to lose this one, and we can circle back around to this later in the year. So I think that this is the correct way um, to build him and get him on um, a good path. And then, of course, it just means everything to see Naoya um, in an all-Japan ring with the belts on him, um, something we just haven't been sure of um, in terms of what's going to happen with him, but all of that was really meaningful. So I, I can't, I don't know. I don't even really know what to say. It's, it's, it's such a stunning match and it's, it's interesting because I think that we're positioned to see even more matches of this caliber um, in the tag division and elsewhere this year. So just an incredible way to end the month for all Japan, really. There's just so much to talk about this match and just like so little words at the same time. It's just amazing. Before we move on, Rachel actually has a question about this. Do we think this is the end of Mia Ken and Takuya with their tag loss? Um, I, well, I mean, I don't know for sure, but I would probably lean towards yes. Um, I think, well, they, they had a surprising run, but for me, I not sure there's a an appeal to Kento and Takuya as a long-term kind of thing. Like a lot of the fun from that team came from them initially not working well together at all. 
and then learning to get along and becoming friends. But yeah, I, I don't know. I I think it might be best to just leave it at that and try something else and have it like in in our back pocket maybe for later. I don't know, but yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I think you're right, Lou, in that, because I thought really hard about this because I, I did think it was sad to think that like we were going to so suddenly lose them after a couple of months of like really enjoying these two together because Kento has like, he has very interesting relationships with people um, in character and kayfabe. So it just was interesting to see him and Takuya, as much as they had to figure out how to work together, they also came together very quickly and he doesn't really do that. So that was interesting. I think to your point, like it would almost hurt them to keep going and going with this because I think you would almost like burn this kind of fun thing with them out, but it would probably be, be more meaningful if they had like, you know, Takuya come in occasionally and then they kind of do a little like reunion thing right. around it. And like, uh, I think there's actually, we saw with the the Triple Crown Challenge there, there's more to their sort of relationship and how they feel about each other as wrestlers and like they're sort of the way they think about wrestling philosophically. There's a lot there that I think is to, to be explored, right? So I think that it's probably done for now, but that's all of that stuff is going to be explored, I think, later on, because I think that stuff, the philosophical stuff, they'll want to keep exploring down the road. And, you know, who's to say that Takuya doesn't end up maybe coming over here at some point. But so, yeah, I think it's probably the end of them for now, but it's a gimmick they'll pick up when they want to. I was just going to point out um, Takuya's tweet afterwards. He said, well, tag defense failed. It was a short champion period, but I was pretty proud. Thank you, Kenta Mihara. Let's meet again. And to me, that sounds like um, they've split up for the time being. I don't know what um, Takuya has in um, Big Japan. I don't really keep up with that, but he does wrestle there. So he probably has to go back at some point. Now we move on to January moments. Jake Lee has surprised everybody and showed up in Noah at their January 1st show. He came to the ring after the Jack Morris-Timothy Thatcher match, shook hands with Morris and left together. They have formed a team called Good Looking Guys, also with Anthony Green. And there is a video on the official Noah English Twitter of Jake backstage. It has English subtitles. It is worth um, checking out, so please seek that out. We will also link it in the show notes. How do you feel, Lou, about Good Looking Guys? I just want to say that... It is amazing to me that Jake, although he did get a, a change of gear, he still seems to be keeping his like Prince of Darkness uh, ring attire and persona while kickstarting a new faction called Good Looking Guys. And to me, there is so much comedy in that. I, I just lo- I love it. I love it. I'm going to I watched his uh, his. Uh, First Noah matches and enjoyed them uh, a lot. I thought they were really good introduction matches for him. And if we just look beyond the uh, the good-looking guys thing, I think there's something to be done with him and uh, Kaito Kiyomiya. Like if they they want to work towards a Jake title defense, from what I've seen, it would be a, a pretty pretty good match probably. The money is in 
Jake versus Kaito because they're going to want Kaito in front of a two-time triple crown champion, right. former yeah. triple crown champion for sure. I'll say this about good looking guys. I was talking to Justin Nipper of Write That Down from Fight Game Media. That's his podcast with Fumi Saito about this. And um, he had some great perspective on it actually, because good looking guys plays a little goofy when for us in the West, right? It's going to play a little goofy. Although I will say the shirt is kind of dope because they have nice font mm-hmm. on that shirt. But for Japanese fans, this doesn't play the same way. And I'm going to say it wrong probably. And I wish Rachel was here actually to correct my pronunciation on this. I think the term is ikemen in yes, Japanese. Yes, 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 yes. So when people see and I can't speak for Anthony Green. It's kind of mean, but I can't speak for Anthony Green's role in this. But when people saw Jack and Jake together at Budokan and then like that playing off of that from there, people in Japan were like, Ikemen team, Ikemen team. That's before they were good looking guys, but it's two handsome guys. Yeah. This So people in their minds, like they put them together because of that. So it doesn't play the same way in the West because we're not going to call them Ikemen team in the way that that's going to play in Japan. That's what they're going to call them. So I understand that good looking guys sounds goofy, but it has, it's cooler when you can think of them as an Ikemen team and you have to look up the meaning of Ikemen um, from how it translates over from Japanese. So that's what I'll say about that aspect of good looking guys. But um, that threw me too, though. When I saw that that was the name of the team, um, when I woke up and was doing my scroll on Twitter one day, I was like, Jesus fucking Christ. But um, I'm super excited about what he's got going on for him and Noah. I think that what has been really, really cool is A, Noah has been putting up subtitles on their um, backstages now. So we have been able to see some of Jake's stuff translated. And I'll tell you what, he is really difficult to try to follow if you're do- just doing like any kind of translating on your own. Um, the way he speaks, it's so hard <laughs> to follow him sometimes, but to have that done on the videos is so helpful. Um, his his promos are really cool and he's an incredible speaker. And if you've been following him in all Japan, you can kind of know this because of the way people react to him. And you've forgotten this during the pandemic when people can't react to him, but like hearing him before the pandemic, he would get people to react to him all the time because he's a great speaker. Now that people can react to him a little bit more in Noah, you can really hear what a great speaker he is and it's making a huge difference for him. So I'm excited about a lot of the stuff that he is going on. And like I said, the match to make eventually is him and Kaito. That has a lot of weight to it, but it's really cool. And we'll um, maybe, uh, maybe we won't talk about this necessarily, but I think it's cool that on the uh, Muto retirement card in the dome, he's going to get Sugira in that tag match. And that's something that he wanted. He's going to get Sugira and Marafuji before that in like a mixed tag for Noah too, but he's going to get Sugira in the dome. And that is such a weird thing to say about Jake Lee in 2023. This always just seems a bit weird still. Like when he first came out at the Noah first show, I didn't recognize the music. It took me like a couple seconds to think like, who is this? Like who's coming out? And then when I saw Jake, it's like, oh, he's here. He's in Noah. <laughs> Ryu Inoue and Yuma Anzai have got their first ever merch. Or Japan shop had keychains of the two and they sold out very quickly. Like nobody got a chance to buy them. They were sold out as soon as they went up. Anzai's might have been put back in stock, but they keep getting sold out. It's a pain in the ass. So. 
Okotomori got into a bit of trouble with the company. He was hit with a violation for an incident at a bar. He had his pay cut by 30% for three months, no alcohol for three months, and no drinking parties for three months. Very exciting news as Kento Mihara, Yuma Oyagi, and Suwama will take part in the Keiji Muto retirement show. They will face Keno, Nakajima, and Manabu Soya at the Tokyo Dome. Yeah, this is... Um... This is pretty crazy. Um, and I guess it ties into Kento's upcoming match with Yuma. Um, they have sort of booked themselves into a corner here with the title match and the Tokyo Dome match coming up. Um, I think everyone agrees that we need to have the visual of Kento walking the Tokyo Dome ramp with the Triple Crown. It's very, very important. But also, this puts into perspective a lot of things where for in recent months, I sort of convinced myself that um, Kento from now on, sort of his best use and best stories going forward would be to sort of build the, the next generation, like build, the, like put over uh, the two Yumas, basically, Aoyagi and Anzai, Sort of, sort of how Suwama helped make uh, Kento beforehand. Uh, but now that like inter-promotional wrestling is going freaking crazy in Japan, I think that we might need to put that on pause if there's a chance that we can get stories like Triple Crown Kento versus Nakajima, Triple Crown Kento versus Keno, uh, any sort of All Japan versus Noah type situation. I think there's a lot of money to be made with Kento in a Triple Crown champion role uh, from these situations. And we can circle back to these uh, Yuma Aoyagi wins or Yuma Anzai uh, matches a bit later. I agree in a big way I mean my agenda always is to get Kento in front of bigger crowds right and I think that it's tough because I want the whole roster to be in front of bigger crowds but Kento is a special talent um he is someone who could I think very easily get in front of a crowd where people don't necessarily um all know who he is but I think he can really get a crowd behind him um just by being who he is so um, I think this is an important first step in being able to do that. Does it mean that we're all sort of rooting against Yuma in, in some sort of like all Japan does this all the time, though. They constantly do this to us. They always like give you like this weird scenario where you have to root against your own interests. But I think that it's really important to, to have that visual again of of Kento with the, the triple crown, like you were saying, Lou, in the dome. There's something about that that is so important. It's sort of like the... Uh, it is it is the best representation of all Japan in some ways um, and deserved. It's, you know, it's, 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 it's incredible to, um, I, I think that nothing feels real right now about wrestling. Like we had the Noah and uh, New Japan show, nothing about that felt real. All of that went so exceedingly well. And then to get hit with um, some of these matches that are coming on this Mudo retirement card, um, nothing feels real. So to have this is, um, outstanding and then of course uh i think the story here and rachel has done some incredible translations around keno's videos because for some reason keno is the is the spokesperson of all kensuke office uh 
drama. Um, so really the story here is getting Kento Miyahara in the ring with uh, Katsuhiko Nakajima, um, which will be really, really interesting and really compelling. Um, it'll, it'll just be fascinating. So yeah, there's a lot of things to, um, to look forward to, and hopefully it does lead to All Japan doing a lot more. The view of All Japan is that we're still extremely isolationist, and I hope that that becomes less so um, in 2023. As soon as I saw this um, graphic for the card, I was like, oh, so Yuma is not going to become triple crown champion. <laughs> but I am just so happy for Kento, Yuma, and Suama. Like, they deserve this spot. They deserve to be on, like, this huge show. I'm like, I'm just over the moon for them. Like, it's just amazing. New Japan has announced an all-star junior festival produced by Hiromi Takahashi. There are 20 plus companies involved, including all Japan. We don't know much information at this time, but when we do, we'll update you all. I think this is also exciting to, you know, to show the juniors off because all Japan just have amazing juniors. And this is just, such a big thing for them i saw a lot of uh, tweets assuming this would be some kind of uh, a tournament and my feeling from going the, the, there was a all-star heavyweight show in 2011 i think that was like fully interpromotional uh and it was mostly like six-man tags and multi-man matches um i wouldn't be surprised if this is what we're going to get here, which is not to say we, we won't get cool matches out of it, but um, yeah, I'm not expecting like a, a super Jacob style tournament here. I think Lou is right. I definitely misspoke before in referencing it as a tournament because my brain is stuck on junior tournaments because of like super Jacob and stuff like that. But I've heard this referenced as a produce show. So I think that that's the style of show it'll be. You'll have a lot of multi-mans. And then I think we have the uh, the potential to see some really standout singles matches too, considering that we're getting so many standout singles matches between uh, this Noah and New Japan show and then Muto's uh, retirement show. So we have, uh, there's a lot of endless possibilities here, but I'm excited for the All Japan Juniors to be on the show because I think that people just don't realize what our juniors are doing and the caliber of wrestling that we have going on here at the junior level. So I'm excited for people to really see what all Japan is doing in junior wrestling. And frankly, I think we have some of the best junior wrestlers um, compared to some of the other companies. So I'm looking forward to uh, them being able to show off. So now we move on to coming up in February. February marks the beginning of the Excite Series Tour. The first show is jam-packed with title defenses. We have the Triple Crown Championship between Kento and Yuma. Aski versus Kataro for the junior title. The All-Asia belts are on the line in an explosive death match with the champs Kashin and Asawa defending against Yoshitatsu and Onita. Minoru Suzuki, Kataro Suzuki, Naruki Doi, Kaz Hayashi, Nai Namura, Koji Doi, Kuma Arashi, Andy Wu, and a bunch of New Japan stars will also be on the cards in February. So now we move on to our brand new segment. Each month, we will recommend an All Japan match from any era that we watched and enjoyed. All of our picks will be put in a spreadsheet that you will be able to access. This will replace questions, but if you still have a question that you would really like to ask, please DM me or kick out and we will try to get to it. Also, a big thanks to Deswari who gave us this idea with this segment of us talking about our favorite matches. So I'm going to go with... Um... 
Mitsuharu Misawa versus Jun Hakiyama from February 2000, which, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly, was Excite Series Tour 2000. Um, this is my favorite Akiyama Misawa match ever. They've had a lot of good ones. They had a lot of good ones before that. They had a lot of good ones after that in Pro Wrestling Noah. Uh, for me, this is the top one, the ultimate one. Um, It's pro. It's it's one of the tightest matches ever. It's it's not that long. I think it's like 25 to early 20 minutes or something. And there's so much stuff in this match, and it's so. I, I think the chemistry between these guys has never been as good as it is in this match. There's like counters for the counters and stuff you you don't even see these days anymore. Like there's, I think there's an apron exploder. And if I remember correctly, this, I don't know if it's the first time Akiyama ever beats Misawa in singles or one of the first, but it's a massive moment and a really cool match to um, revisit uh, these days. That's an excellent match, actually. Now I feel like I have to go put that on <laughs> after this. Thank you for recommending that, Lou. Mine's like from a couple of years ago. <laughs> I'm just going to say straight away that mine will be mostly from One Day or Japan, but I do have some older matches that's in my watch later list that may end up here. And I was going to pick a really long match, but I thought people don't have enough time these days. So lucky for you, I picked a match that's just under 10 minutes. So you have no excuses that you don't have enough time to watch it. It is Hakaru Sato versus Fuminori Abe from the Junior Battle of Glory from 2021. I love this match. It's one of my favorite junior matches. It's one of my favorite from 2021. And yes, my first match for the All Japan watch list doesn't even feature All Japan wrestlers. Um, I don't want to say too much about it because, like I said, it's under 10 minutes. It's very short, but it's just two amazing wrestlers just being the crap out of each other for 10 minutes it's just please watch this match it's amazing very nice thank you i went with atsushi aoki and kotaro suzuki aka burning versus koji kanamoto and minoru tanaka aka junior stars from march 17th 2013 in ryogoku kogikan and i chose this match because kotaro coming back in for some dates was obviously super exciting for me And then seeing that excellent tag match at the uh, on Sunday the other day um, was super exciting too. So I wanted to uh, to talk about a tag match, but I also just love this particular time period in all Japan so much that like couple of months period where Burning 3.0 got to be a thing. Um, to me, I've said this on Kick Out like 87 times, but to me, this is like the most one of the most stunning periods of wrestling that I think we've ever seen, and it. Like as quickly as it formed, it was gone. And that's such a shame because it really was like some of the just most incredible wrestling. Um, so I really can't recommend um, enough from that era. And I'll probably talk about many matches from that era. But yeah, so it's very much all Japan represented in junior stars. And then you have burning. Um, and it, that was the, you know, the thing at the time, it was all Japan versus burning. Kotaro and Aoki are booed during their entrances. And it's really cool um, to hear them booed. because, like, that's just really funny to me. Um, the two to watch in this are Kotaro and uh, Tanaka 
every time they're in the ring, um, the action and the tension just like skyrockets. It's just so cool to see them work against each other. Um, they're like in peak form during this time in 2013 too. So you're really seeing them like at probably some of their best, uh, which is great. There's a sequence that I've actually gift a couple of months back um, on my Twitter that happens about 12 or 13 minutes into the match. It looks like they're both uh, floating in midair um, at each other. It's like one of the coolest sequences I've ever seen, but um, I just just love that part of the match. And then Tanika also hits an incredible brain buster from the top turnbuckle at one point on Kotaro um, toward the end that just looks sick no matter how many times I watch that match. So it's just a brutal little banger of a tag and it's something to put on um, if you're not super familiar with junior stars. They're actually a team that has um, a lot of like they have roots and history in New Japan, um, but they do have a lot of history in all Japan as well. So a good team to get familiar with. And then if you're like me and you hold a candle for a certain era of like Noah tag faction drama stuff, um, you'll you'll really enjoy seeing Kotaro and Aoki in um, all Japan as burning because they're just like one of the best teams that ever really kind of came together. They're just excellent. So, yeah, that's my my match to recommend. As always, if you are interested in watching All Japan, it can be viewed at ajpw.tv for 900 yen a month. Each monthly tour has a mix of live and video on demand shows. Video on demand shows are uploaded the day after they're filmed and in some cases the same day. Thank you all for listening and supporting Talking Triple Crown. You can find me on Twitter at SisterJessie and RawRoad72. You can find me, Alicia, at Sharanui Kai with two eyes on Twitter. And you can find me and Rachel at Kickout299. And please make sure you subscribe to us and uh, do a five-star review on your podcast platform of choice. It really does help us out. And thank you so much in advance. And you can find me also on Twitter at Captain Lou Japan. And you can read my wrestling reviews on happywrestlingland.com. Thank you all once again, and we'll see you next month.